What's Good Friends List, episode 99 of the Game Pass Gamecast, coming at you. Microsoft's acquisition of Bethesda remains one of the biggest moves within the games industry, with Xbox looking to be the home of some of gaming's biggest franchises, including The Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Doom, and more. But one of the biggest questions surrounding the move has remained somewhat up in the air. Are Bethesda titles truly exclusive to Xbox platforms? Well, it looks like we may finally have confirmation for at least their next title, Starfield. So, this week, we discussed the reported exclusivity for Starfield on Xbox platforms and what the future looks like for Bethesda with this news. Does the 2022 release date logically make more sense for the title than the disputed rumor of 2021? How does this play into the future of tentpole franchises like The Elder Scrolls and Fallout? We set the stage for what we could see from the Rockfield Giant. Also, Jeff Keighley's Summer Games Fest is looking to start off the summer strong. Rambo and John McClane are coming to Call of Duty and much, much more coming up on the newest jam-packed episode of the Game Pass Gamecast. <laughs> now the fun begins. Welcome back to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around those damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all that jazz that I tell you every week, the whole rigmarole. And follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding our show, video games alike, and our dope giveaways. I'm your host as always, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelus on most internet platforms. Joining me as always, my partner in crime, Mike Peepack. Mike, what is good? What is going on? And what have you been playing this past fine week? This beautiful uh, week in the Berg, at least. I, I don't know how it's, it's been down in Virginia, but it's it's hot. Yeah, it's, sunny. it's fucking hot here, too, and it's starting to piss me off a little bit. You know me, and, and I would imagine 99 episodes into this fucking show. One, that's pretty dope. And two, I would think by now the viewers know me. When it comes to the heat and when it comes to the weather, I'm, I, you know, I'm like all of us. If, we're, if, we're lis- if you're listening to this podcast, you're a fucking nerd like us, and you love sitting inside playing video games, too. At the same time, we all love going outside and enjoying this nice weather and whatnot. If you know me by now, there's two things that really kind of, well, I, you know what, I don't even want to say two things. One thing that really pisses me off, and that's like heat and humidity. You know, I kind of combine those into one, so technically two things. You get the fucking deal, though. That if it's nice out, I fucking love it. And when I say nice, I'm talking, you know, anywhere under 80 degrees. We're talking like 65 to 75 is that sweet spot. Anywhere in there, no humidity. You know, no, like today, not a cloud in the sky, beautiful blue skies out today. Like, I'm all for that. But it's fucking 90 degrees here. I, I No, no, we're done with that. I'm not, no, fuck that. But I would imagine in beautiful Virginia over in the, you're, are you technically Metro DC area No. I mean, it's pretty, you're right. It's pretty much. You're it's, in the burbs, I'm like, but. I'm like 35 miles south, technically, but it's all pretty much like, much. it's like, 
I don't know how to explain it. It's one big uh, metropolis. I don't know. It's just a big metro area. So kind yeah. of, yes. It's, <laughs> it's hot as shit today. I was outside, did some inline skating, went to a, uh, a hockey rink. There's a, a Caps, the Caps organization built a hockey rink in Fredericksburg. I went there, skated around a little bit. They actually have, you know how like the, the rinks around home have like sport court, even outside? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was a little interesting because the rink here has like it's kind of like a it's almost like you know this it's almost so some people might not some people might not be able to relate with this but it's 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 our show so fuck mm-hmm. you um <laughs> it's basically the same um surface as tennis courts which oh, yeah. people that know how to like that inline skater play hockey like tennis courts are like orgasmic for inline wheels mm-hmm. it's just like so smooth compared to like concrete and even sport court so. I was thoroughly impressed with that and, you know, just skated around a little bit. But while I was there, since I'm very much so out of skating shape for a lot of different reasons, one of them being like COVID and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's just taken me a while to like want to go outside and start getting into skating shape because I would like to join an adult league. Mm-hmm. Um, while I was down there, it's pretty close to a driving range in Fredericksburg. So I also hit some golf balls. So I did a lot of cool, like cool sports, sports dude, sports mm-hmm. ball <laughs> stuff. But... Um, after that, because I actually started to like get kind of a little bit of a heat exhaustion because it's just like, um, I'm out of shape. It's hot as shit. I'm not used to the heat here. It's always sunny versus Pittsburgh. It all, it's always gray and doom and gloom and poop out. But long story short, I did get some exercise in feel, feel much better. Got some vitamin D, mm-hmm. uh, you know, don't keep your, uh, no horny. I'll, I'll bonk you to horny jail. Like. Got some vitamin D, and I'm ready to, <laughs> I'm ready to rock and roll. But um, I also wanted to make something known. And you know what? Again, this is our podcast, so I don't give a shit that I'm already derailing the show. It's episode 99. I felt like we've been doing a pretty good job recently mm-hmm. in, from being derailed, but I'm, I'm derailing it. I want to be known as Turd Ferguson from now on in this show. <laughs> Turd I, Ferguson. I'm, I'm, I'm identifying as Turd Ferguson. For real. Well, that, I want to be Turd Ferguson. Well, there we go. Turd Ferguson. I want to be named Spaghetti. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Because because one of someone who's been on the show, I'm not naming names, changed their identity from Barry Hutthole. Uh, I just Who? wanted to, you know, let it be known that, like, you know, Turd Ferguson was a guy. He's a dude. But this is a whole, a whole long, convoluted way of saying, played a shit ton of Resident Evil. I played a shit ton of Halo with you guys. I played some MLB The Show. I actually played some FIFA with my brother last night. And um, a little bit of NHL 94 Rewind. So since it's on Game Pass, and I love NHL 94. I used to have it for Sega when I was a kid. Uh, I'm just, I've am just i just been playing a little bit of that too. So mixing it up, but I, I, I have finished Resident Evil. So the spoiler cast is coming. Stay tuned for that uh, in a different episode. But um i need to beat the valley of shadows playthrough so that's what i'm going to be starting here pretty soon am i going to stream the whole thing like i did my original playthrough i don't know but maybe you should come just drop a follow on my twitch because you never know you might get to see me dominate the valley of shadows playthrough also because like hardcore at first was pretty tough but once i got used to it um i didn't i didn't struggle as much you know and now i know the castle dimitrescu skip i don't know if i'm gonna use it um in a normal playthrough but i'm definitely gonna start speed running it but the gun you need to speed run any percent and utilize that skip correctly mm-hmm. is uh unlocked by beating the valley of shadows playthrough it's the like i don't i forget what they call it. like oh it's like the elephant gun it's like a pistol but uh anyway that's what i've been up to what have you been playing barry i mean travis <clears throat> who 
I, I don't know. Oh, that was weird. Hmm. I don't know. Is like that like a something. different? Is that like an alternate universe that like kind of taps in every once in a while? To yeah. Our universe. Yeah, it's like the metaverse shit, like that's going to be happening in uh, the Marvel movies now. Like you know, it's it's all it's going down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Dude, I I feel like feel like I I know that name in a past life or something like that. Yeah. Is anyone else like infinite timeline? fanatics like do you believe that there's like infinite amounts like kind of like rick and morty type shit where mm -hmm. there's just like an infinite infinite amount of universes and we just happen to be in this one but sometimes the other ones bleed through i feel like that's what happens sometimes whenever barry comes out of my mouth i just feel like my like a different version of it, me is just like it's like that mandela effect like you feel yeah, like you've I, been there before you feel like that that is a thing and you know it's so vivid in your mind but i don't know man <laughs> Anyways, like, like thinking that Chick Fil A is spelled C H I C K, not C H I K. Right. Well, also too, the the damn cows in that in the ads they had always like misspelled chicken. They're like eat more chicken. Like yeah. So maybe they like self. Maybe like big brain plays by Chick Fil A to actually self inflict Mandela effect on their fanatics. Yeah. Think about it, won't you? <laughs> anyways, though. Anyways. It's trying to steer this train back on the tracks a little bit. Not that I, not that I dislike letting it off the rails, because you know me, I always will fuck with that. Yeah, who let me conduct this yeah, train? <laughs> really. <laughs> Anyways, though, um, my end. Video games. Uh, played a decent amount of them. Uh, it, it's the thing that the past couple of weeks, like anytime that I've been trying to game, that I'm like, I have this day clear. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna sit down and just game all day. Ends up being the days that like I barely get to play. And then the days that I'm like, I'm not going to have any time to play end up being the days that like, I actually do have a lot of time to play. So I've been playing, obviously, uh, like you said, we've been playing a lot of uh, MCC recently, just kind of jumping into like big team battle uh, playlists and things like that, just to like fuck around and dick around. It, it's just been a blast. Um, kind of dipping my toe back into a handful of different things. Uh, my fiance and I are still playing. Uh, it takes two, hopefully going to potentially beat that tonight, um, just because we it's a game, obviously, that we can only play together because it's co-op and I'm playing that with her and I'm you know, not wanting to progress, obviously, not that I really can, but you get the picture. Um, so we've only been, you know, I only play it when she wants to play it type of thing. So if it was up to me, I probably would have had this done two weeks ago, at least. Um, but it is fucking fantastic. I can't get over how good that game is, how polished that game is. Uh, but I don't know why I'm surprised because Hayes Light and Joseph Ayers are just fucking incredible with what they do and the talent that's at that studio um and i love that there are more and more ea originals popping up and bringing incredibly talented indie developers to the forefront whether that be hey we are backing this by you know obviously ea origins is publishing it or ea is publishing the title but um, it's not getting the same, they don't hold it and produce it in the same way that you would see a traditional EA title, which I think is a positive, but it's still backing that in an EA fashion in terms of, you know, marketing and whatnot. Um, you know, it's really, really great to see studios like Hazelight be able to get the full, you know, the full brunt of being able to you know, be marketed and whatnot as a AAA game, but have the creative freedom to do incredibly dope shit like they do. Um, so by all means, play It Takes Two. It's fucking fantastic. Um, but I'm trying to think what else I've really been playing. I know I dipped my toe back into Monster Hunter World to kind of, you know, feel things out. Like I said, I've been trying to 
figure out what that next game is. I kind of want to dip my toe into. I'm also kind of in that now in that like range now that like, oh, you know, Resident Evil credits on that. Going to definitely go back and play through that, obviously. Again, like I do all Resident Evil games. Um, but I kind of want to take some things off of my backlog, um, especially now since we're going to have a little bit before like a next game releases and whatnot. So we'll have a little bit of time, but um, I'm definitely going to kind of focus on that, I think, kind of taking some things off my backlog. I want, Like I said before on previous episodes, I want to go and finish, you know, Outer Wilds. I want to go through and finish, like, Dishonored 2 I never finished. I get back into playing, you know, even though it's, when I say backlog, this is a, um, you know, live service game. But, like, Destiny 2, get back into that. Check out the new season that they have going on right now. Um, same with, like... Games like ESO, I've been wanting to get back in. I've wanted to try Final Fantasy XIV, so it's like, there's a lot of stuff that I've really... You know what else we haven't played yet? What's that? And it just dawned on me, hmm. we have not played um, <clears throat> the new, like, Apex game mode. We haven't, and I, you know what's funny? I actually, <laughs> for some reason, I uninstalled Apex the other day. Oh, it was because I was trying to, or what did I install? I reinstalled something and I was just like, we haven't played Apex in a while. Like, realistically, I've gig internet. I could re-download it at any time. But I uninstalled it thinking like, oh, we haven't played it in a while. Like, yeah, whatever. It'll be a while. And then I knew once I uninstalled that, I was like, watch, I'm going to get like an invite. Hey, let's play Apex. Let's try out that new mode. Um, so it's funny you say that because I was literally just thinking about that. Um, but yeah, the, another thing that I want to like, there's a ton of stuff. And that's what sucks about like literally what we do and really just being a gamer in 2021 and being a fan of the medium that there is just way too much fucking shit to play like good shit before it was like, you know, when we were younger, there was such a more limited range of what we had access to and what we could play and what we wanted to play and things like that. Um, the scope was much smaller in general with games, but like now there's so much just stuff that like, I look at my steam library and I look at my, not to mention, on my Xbox, on Game Pass and stuff like that. It's like, there's just so much fucking stuff that I'm like, yeah, I would want to try that out. Yeah, I want to play that. Oh, I never played that. Like, I never played Hollow Knight. I want to play Hollow Knight. I have it on Steam. It got gifted to me uh, a while ago by somebody, like, because I never played Hollow Knight. And they're like, you're fucking missing out. Please play Hollow Knight. So, like, you better, you better get on it, too, because before you know it, and this kind of gets me, gets me all, all hot and bothered and maybe potentially maybe wanting some more vitamin D in my life. Hot. Um, <laughs> Diablo 2 Resurrected is going to be coming Oh, my out, like, God. Before you know it. I know. So it's like, and that, that's, that's game the over. end of my life. That's game <laughs> over. Plus, two, uh, speaking of Blizzard, Overwatch's anniversary event's going on right now. And you know me, that's like the crack pipe for me. So I'm going to jump back in there and try to get skins and shit like that. So I, I, I digress. I'm, I could sit here and talk about that shit all day. But we got a lot of shit to go over today, Mike. I, I probably even drug it on too long, but we have a huge show to go over. Uh, a lot of big news. We really only have one big topic to talk about today. So button mash is kind of filled to the brim because there are there was a lot of stuff that I did want to touch about touch on in there. Um, so let's just kick right into it, Mike. If you're new to the show, button mash is where we go over our quick hit news articles and news topics to get you set up for the week that was this past week in the world of video games, specifically Xbox and PC. So. Let's kick it over to Button Mash before we get into our big topic of the week here. 
And of course, we're starting out with The Outer Worlds, a game that Adam Marshy Marsh and I loved very much. Um, that has now reached over 3 million units sold to date. So shout out to Obsidian Entertainment over there, the one of the newer Xbox studios now over there, but The Outer Worlds now, 3 million units sold to date. That's up from 2.5 million as of this time last year with the recent bump driven by the launch of Murder on Arandos, the DLC, the newest one that just came out. I think I said that right, but I digress. Square Enix has announced that Outriders, if we're talking about sales here again, sales here again, has surpassed 3.5 million unique players worldwide in its first month, alongside revealing what fixes are coming to its next patch. There was no further data given, though, as to how the players were split between those who purchased the game versus those who played via Xbox Game Pass, though, which I'd be really interested to see, um, considering that game launch day and date with Game Pass. A big one here, Jeff Keighley's Summer Games Fest returns next month, and it sounds like it'll start with a bang. Keighley is promising, quote, a memorable month of announcements and updates, beginning with a world premiere showcase featuring more than a dozen game world premieres and announcements, as well as previews of what to expect from affiliated publishers' own live streams in the following weeks. More than 30 publishers are taking part in Summer Games Fest this year, including some big names that haven't been announced for E3. Among them are PlayStation, Blizzard Entertainment, Devolver Digital, and Electronic Arts, which will also be running its own EA Play Live event in July. Also taking part in Summer Games Fest are Epic Games, 2K, Amazon Games, Capcom, Sega, uh, Warner Brothers Games, Ubisoft, and Xbox, of course. Summer Games Fest open, uh, opening takes place just two days before the start of E3 on June 10th at 2 p.m. Eastern. Along with all of the game reveals, Kickoff Live will feature a performance from Weezer in a Day of the Devs Indie Showcase. Summer Games Fest's own programming stream will be on Facebook, uh, will stream on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, and other platforms, but the publisher-run streams might not be as broadly available, so make sure to keep up to date, follow all of the major publishers out there to see if their own specific events are going to be carried through there or their own, you know, uh, server, whatnot, which I'm sure they will go through their own YouTube, Twitch channels, yada, yada, you get the deal, but... Anyways, 2K's upcoming NFL Arcade game has been delayed. Originally set to release this year, 2K announced that its upcoming untitled NFL Arcade game has been pushed out of fiscal year 2022. The game place, uh, the game places, or this place is the game. There we go, Travis. Sorry, words sometimes. This places the game's release date to beyond March of next year. Quote, while we are very excited to once again be working with the NFL and the NFLPA, our first title under these new partnerships is no longer expected to be releasing during fiscal year 2022, a statement from 2K Reads. Quote, 2K will have more to share on their plans for our football offerings going forward. Here we go, Mike. Call of Duty has confirmed that Rambo and John McClane our two 80s action heroes will be joining Call of Duty Warzone, Black Ops Cold War multiplayer, and Call of Duty Mobile as part of the mid-season update. Both characters will be available across all three currently active Call of Duty games starting on May 19th, so if you're listening to this now, go pick them up. So they are available. Sylvester Stallone broke. You know what? Between I kind of was thinking this game, like, what the fuck is going on? I kind of was thinking that, but then at the same time, and I, from what I remember, I think it was on his own volition. But at the same time, that could that could be false. I need to. But I could have swore I heard that he turned down the role of Rocky in Creed Three that's coming out. Like really? he didn't want to. He stepped back. But I, or it was like a mutual thing. I don't know. Like 
I don't think he left kicking and screaming type of thing. I, I think I think with Rocky alone, he's set for life. Not to mention he's also now, Rambo's been in uh, Mortal Kombat 11. So like he's making money off of that. Um, yeah, I, I think he's, I think so he's- Wait, 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 wait. I know this is a video game show, but Rocky is not gonna be in Creed 3. No, I'm pretty sure. Actually, I'll, I'm gonna look that up right now. I can't even bother to be, I can't even be bothered to watch it now. I thought Creed 2 was really good. I thought Creed 1 was pretty pretty good also. I really liked where they were going with it, but I can't be bothered to watch if if Sly, old Sly himself isn't gonna be in Yeah, he, here we go, here we go. Uh, and this is from Michael B, uh, Michael B. Jordan He in an interview with IGN here. Quote, I think that Sly let it be known that he wasn't coming back for this one, but I think, you know, his essence and his spirit, they're always going to be a little bit of Rocky with Adonis. So it sounds like he was like, hey, I'm done after two, like I'm good type of thing like you carry on this legacy you know i'm i'm good i i don't want to do another one so from what it sounds like but it is funny when i typed in creed 3 rocky the first like recommendation that comes up on google is uh creed 3 rocky dies so there we go <laughs> but yeah it's uh but yeah he's i i don't think he's strapped for cash he has a lot of like i'm sure he owns a lot of his like character rights i i have to mm. or he gets a large fucking rip from all of them i would imagine um but anyways um so john mccain star uh of the Die Hard series with bruce willis john mccain or McLean, I'm sorry. The John McLean, star of the Die Hard series with Bruce Willis, is a cop who finds himself in a deadly hostage situation on Nakatomi uh, Plaza. Meanwhile, Rambo, the hero played in the movies by Sylvester Stallone, is a double-cross special force uh, who has to go off the grid to get revenge. Both characters are 80s icons that went on to launch two highly successful action franchises way before superheroes took over the cinemas. So if you aren't like us, no, granted, we're not 80s babies, but we're very old enough to remember that what, you know, uh, Rambo and Die Hard was and the whole debate around Die Hard being a Christmas movie and all, like, we are of that era to know who they are and whatnot. And to me, this is the most asinine, ridiculous thing in the best way possible to happen. And I will be definitely getting back into playing Warzone and fucking at least zombies or whatever, like to get in there and get those skins because that is ridiculous. I will pay for that. I will pay for fucking Rambo and fucking John McClane. Easily. Easily. You get my money, Activision. They're targeting <laughs> boomers. They are. Well, we are kind of boomers at this point. We are kind of boomers. We're, we're inching closer to it. Anyways, though. <laughs> Anyways. The Ascent, a cyberpunk looter shooter coming to Xbox and PC, will be released on June or July 29th, and it will come to Xbox Game Pass at launch. Coming to the Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PC, the game can be pre-ordered now for $29.99. And that's USD, at least. Microsoft has officially closed a loophole. This kind of sucks, though, because I was even thinking about taking advantage of this. Um, has closed a loophole that was allowing current Xbox Game Pass Ultimate users to extend their membership at a discounted rate by subscribing to EA Play. The original loophole involved buying an EA Play one-year membership, which would auto-convert to four months of Game Pass Ultimate if you were uh, currently an Ultimate member. You can still convert EA, uh, EA Play to Game Pass Ultimate, but now it will only equate to an extra two months rather than four, effectively bringing EA Play conversion into the same price bracket as Ultimate, $14.99 USD per month. 
Mass Effect Legendary Edition project director Mac Walters has confirmed that Mass Effect 3's multiplayer or could be added to the collection in the future if demand is great enough. In an interview with CNET, Walters said that the, uh, he would never say no to Mass Effect 3's multiplayer making a return after its omission in the Legendary Edition. Quote, I would never say no to that. We want to see what kind of reception the Legendary Edition gets and what the demand for the multiplayer is, Walter said. And then we'll ask ourselves if we have the resources and time to bring up the, to the quality level we want and fans want, end quote. And finally, Monster Hunter World continues its reign as Capcom's biggest game ever, having passed 17 million sales worldwide. As part uh, of its highlights from the latest uh, financial uh, fiscal year, I'm sorry, Capcom has revealed that Monster Hunter has surpassed 17 million sales across all formats, while the sequel Monster Hunter Rises approaches 5 million itself on Nintendo Switch alone. Capcom also, too, to keep on your calendars, has announced a Monster Hunter digital event on May 26th, so we may see some Monster Hunter World news there. I'm not sure. I would imagine it's probably more Rises uh, focused, considering that's the newest one out, but Monster Hunter World in general being Capcom's biggest game and still being ongoing and whatnot, I wouldn't be shocked if we did see something there. So anyways, Mike, before we get into our big topic for this week, anything you want to run back on Button Mash? I feel like I've taken up enough time in this show. I've uh, talked a lot. Mike, you seem to it's forget. It's our show. So you I seem to forget fuck. the creed that is written, you know, our mission statement. It's basically... You know, fuck it, it's our show. <laughs> we can talk about whatever we want. <laughs> the only thing I want to say is uh, if you are into ghost hunting at all, and mm. this isn't a part of the button match series, but if you are into ghost hunting at all, you should watch Zach not- Begans lose his mind when he tells a ghost to fight him and then it throws a brick at him. He's like, oh, I'm getting out of here. Yes, yeah, <laughs> you, should, you should watch that when a poltergeist <laughs> does it. But... Long story short, uh, Phasmophobia has been getting a ton of love from its developer. I don't think that the dev thought it was going to become as popular as it was, so he's been working on it a ton. There's been a lot of fixes. There's been a lot of adjustments made. The ghosts are a lot smarter. Um, they gradually gain speed constantly when chasing you, so you can't just, like, loop it because, like, like on um, Jail or, or especially Asylum, you could literally just run away from the ghost and it would never kill you unless it was a revenant. But... Um, Long story short, uh, there is going to be new ghosts being introduced into the game. Um, I, I'm sure there's going to be new maps coming up. So um, definitely tap into Phasmophobia if you haven't given it a shot yet. It's getting better and better all the time. And I thoroughly like spent a lot of time, close to 60 or so hours on the game. And even though I did get a little bit um, bored of it, now that there's a ton of updates coming, I'm going to be diving back into that. So all the button mash, super cool, but I just wanted to give uh, Phasmophobia a quick shout out. I know if I know it's an Xbox show, rah, rah, but you know, <laughs> just tap into it on PC if you have it. I mean, that's there's nothing wrong with that. Phasmophobia is awesome. And a game, yet another, fucking add it to the list. Add to the list of more shit I want to kind of get back into playing. Hell, I reinstalled Valorant the other night. And grand, you already made fun of me for that, but you know... It, there's just too much good shit to play. I'm fucking tired of it. How dare people put out good stuff that I want to invest in? Is there too much good shit or is it all like average piles of dog shit? I wouldn't say that now. I mean, I mean, there is some bad stuff out there. Yeah. But you know, I, I like to think that there's a lot. I I like to look at the glass half full, you know, there's a lot of stuff. I would, there's a lot of stuff. I am either very interested in trying or have a vested interest in already and would like to go back to it. So to me, that says a lot of good things about the industry right now. Yeah, there are some 
there's some bleak parts of it, that's for sure, specifically on, you know, I would say the industry side with a lot of shit going on. Some of the, you know, maybe ideas that eh, maybe should be left alone. But at the same time, I think there's some good shit out there. I definitely do. But anyways. Where's the Creed video game? I mean, there was a Rocky video game. There was. I mean, PSVR. Granted, once again, I know we're an Xbox show, but Xbox doesn't have VR. So if you want to do console VR, you got to do on on PlayStation. But they do have, and I think it's on PC actually as well. But uh, what is it? Creed VR game. No, I'm curious. But remember it reviewing relatively well? Yeah, it's... uh, it has a 9 out of 10 on Steam. Uh, Creed Rise to Glory. So there you go. If you want to play a VR game of Creed, it's got a lot of five-star reviews. So there you go. Go play Creed. It's on PSVR, and I believe it is on, yeah, it's on Steam. So there you go. You can play it on Oculus. You can play it on Vive, all that shit. So go there. Play that. Anyways, though, Mike, let's head into our big, normally I say our big topics of the week, but we got one big topic because it is quite fucking hefty. I, I'll, I'll give it that. We got a hefty topic this week, and it's about a little game called Starfield. And Starfield is making some waves right now in the world of Xbox, really in the industry at large right now, um, especially the console gaming sphere, um, because we already know it's a Bethesda game. It's coming to PC, obviously. Um, But in terms of console, I think we the big thing is we finally have our solidified answer of you know, what the hell is happening with Starfield and really Bethesda at large with exclusivity. I think we finally, after so many shows of us talking about it, we might have our answer and just maybe when Starfield is coming out and I don't think a lot of it surprises people, but I think the reaction and what's going forward opens a lot more doors than it closes. So let's just jump into it. Um, So I kind of got a two-parter here to kind of set the stage for this. Uh, First part here, uh, coming from... Uh, Paul Tassie over on Forbes that multiple reports say Starfield is not coming to Xbox in 2021. As like I said, Paul Tassie over on Forbes link in the description as always. That's it. I'm never buying another Bethesda game again. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there has er, there's been a persistent, somewhat odd rumor that Bethesda Starfield is secretly, quote, quote, almost done. And though we've seen nothing but a title card for it, that Microsoft is about to spring a surprise reveal of the game this summer with a release date in fall 2021. Now, pushing back against those rumors, multiple credible journalists have refuted that report stemmed, or that report stemmed, in, the case, in this case, from a YouTuber, Luke Stevenson, who claims uh, that Starfield has been, quote, pretty much done since last September, and it would arrive this year. This was immediately refuted by Bloomberg's Jason Schreier, who explained that this is not happening and why this is and why this is not happening, because Bethesda didn't even start on Starfield in full until later than people think due to Fallout 76. And this is the uh, quoting the tweet from uh, Jason earlier. Quote, rumors like this keep floating around, but Starfield is nowhere near done, according to several people familiar with its development. Uh, It'll be at E3, but the planned release date I've heard is way later than most people expect. Sharing this so that folks keep their expectations in check. What people might not realize is that the bulk of Bethesda Game Studios, including the Maryland, uh, the Maryland office, the Rockville one, the main 
central uh, Bethesda Game Studios studio, was working on Fallout 76 until it launched. Starfield's team was very small until 2019. Rumors that the game was planned for 2020 or far into production then are just not true. This was also repeat, uh, repeated by The Verge's Tom Warren and Game Informer's Liana Rupert, among others who have heard the same thing as Schreier, and this is Liana's uh, tweet as well. Quote, once more with feeling, Starfield is not coming out this year, guys. That rumor is false. So following so that don't, up, don't boycott Bethesda, boycott Jason Schreier because he's the bearer of bad news. Yeah, yeah. Don't shoot the, you know, don't shoot us. We're just the messenger right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but kind of what set this whole thing off, this whole conversation now about Starfield again, not that, I mean, there's been a lot of conversations. It's one of the most anticipated games, AAA games that is coming out uh, within the near future. And the it's the first, you know, Bethesda game, Bethesda game studio, single player experience that we've gotten since, you know, Fallout 4. So it's a big deal and a lot of people are excited. But one of the, you know, really that kind of kicked off these this new conversation around or this most recent conversation around Starfield um, really was a tweet that Jeff Grubb from VentureBeat put out. And he actually wrote an article uh, following that up to kind of, you know, set the stage and kind of, you know, air out everything that he said. So. This is his article was titled Why Starfield Won't Be on PS5. And like I said, this kind of gives us confirmation of, you know, what's going on here. So as always, like I said, link in the description. Microsoft has no plans to release Bethesda's upcoming space role-playing adventure Starfield on Sony's competing PlayStation 5 console. That shouldn't surprise too many, uh, too many people after Xbox boss Phil Spencer said in March that Microsoft acquired Bethesda to add exclusives to Xbox Game Pass. But I've separately confirmed that this situation applies to Starfield through sources familiar with the decision. But some people keep asking about Starfield on PS5 because they don't have insight into Microsoft's reasoning. While Sony or Nintendo would certainly keep new acquisitions locked to their platforms, Microsoft and Xbox has a history of playing nice. Minecraft, for example, is still getting full support on PlayStation and Nintendo platforms. Microsoft even released the new Minecraft Dungeons game on PlayStation 5 and Switch. So, why wouldn't Microsoft do the same with Bethesda's games? The difference is that Microsoft is a platform, or Microsoft, Minecraft is a platform, Microsoft is as well, but Minecraft is a platform unto itself with millions of active players and in-game transactions. And it's platform like it's platforms like that that thrive when it's available everywhere. I've asked Xbox for a statement, and I'll update this, this story if the company decides to comment, which they haven't provided a comment at this time yet, at least of this morning when I was putting the, uh, the run of show together. Microsoft likely did investigate what its financials would look like if it made Bethesda games exclusive or not. In the end, it shows exclusivity. And yes, that means it will miss out on money from sales on PlayStation 5. But the point is that Microsoft doesn't see that as, as losing money. It sees that as built-in marketing for Game Pass. And then it also expects to offset many of those costs by building a deeper relationship with more players who then go on to play and eat and buy even more games on Xbox platforms. So yes, Starfield is exclusive. And I would predict that Xbox would make this call for the Elder Scrolls 6 and beyond. So, Ooh. yeah, so, and just a few additional notes because uh, from Jeff Grubbs, uh, he does a game, his big thing last year with the, uh, when Jeff Keighley first started the Summer Games Fest, um, he started doing, Jeff started kind of putting together all the things he heard and whatnot and kind of keeping people updated because a lot of people were in the dark last summer about with so many things shifting because of COVID and whatnot that he had his thing called Summer Games Mess 
that he would do that kind of updated people on the schedule and whatnot. That has now evolved into his own YouTube and Twitch show that he does, uh, you know, kind of like podcast-centric where he takes questions from, you know, uh, readers and whatnot and kind of goes through them. But some notes that I kind of pulled from his most recent one that he did regarding this, um, just to kind of give some people a little more context. Uh, kind of stemming around E3 more, though. Um, he does expect Starfield gameplay to be at E3, so that's right around the corner. Uh, the Xbox and Bethesda show has come together due to Bethesda wanting to hold some cards closer to their chest uh, for later, like they, uh, they do instead of reveals like Ghostwire three years before and Less Crunch and whatnot like that. He wouldn't expect a ton, though. Starfield, one new game, could be, you know, his guess could be... Uh, Omen, which has been one of the games that has been floating around and rumored to be worked on uh, over within the Bethesda umbrella, uh, and maybe something else. He's less hopeful for Wolfenstein 3 later this year or early next year, though. Um, and this was also on top of that, with Bethesda now being kind of merged into Microsoft for their E3 uh, presentation. This was also confirmed by Xbox Game Studios' Matt Booty in a uh, recent interview with a French publication, uh, which he touched on the following. Uh, the joint uh, Microsoft and Bethesda conference is a go. That's a for sure thing. Uh, the focus on Bethesda's new content in Game Pass from the day they are released. So kind of touching on a lot of different things like that and focusing in on, you know, Microsoft doesn't necessarily want to touch Bethesda's publish publishing services. They want to kind of stay away from that. And that kind of goes back to Bethesda, uh, the whole thing with Bethesda and them wanting to, or, you know, saying, okay, we're, we're good with selling, our company or, you know, ZeniMax is good with selling and they're good with, you know, Bethesda being acquired with a partner that really let them kind of keep their own self-identity. Um, and that was a big thing with Microsoft saying, yeah, you know, they came out saying, yeah, we want to let Bethesda be Bethesda. Um, so it doesn't, Matt kind of, you know, reinforces that saying, hey, we don't want to impose on that. We still want to have that. But on top of that too, um, you know, they, Microsoft doesn't want its studios to create games based on what might work best on Game Pass and things like that. So he kind of touches on a lot of different things. It's in French. If you can go over there, use Google Translate, you could pull some good stuff from there. Um, and then two, on top of that, um, the last thing that I kind of want to pull from, from Jeff's Games Mess show before we kind of dive into everything, because I know there's a lot, but he did say and kind of set the stage on this with on his Games Mess show saying Xbox's 2022 looks, quote, pretty good. Starfield, maybe Omen, some surprises. He thinks that uh, they will really hit their stride in 2023, though, with a big drop, 2024 even bigger. Four to, mat, four to five massive AAA titles in a year. All of this stuff is in addition to third parties, obviously, and then also ID at Xbox. Um, he thinks if you like where Game Pass is now, you'll love it even more in 2022 and 2023. And then by 2024, it's just going to be like, wow. So it's just going to keep, he's basically saying it's just going to keep getting better and better. He does, he does think there will eventually be a price increase, but mostly due to inflation, not by, you know, not by, oh, you know, we're, these games are more and more and more and more. Like, it's not just because, hey, we want to try to make more money. I think it'll be very minimal from what it sounds like because of, which I didn't realize this. I thought it was more so in line with Netflix, but he says licensing with games um, really, is much different from that and it's much lower compared to Netflix that spends tens of thousands of dollars to get their license to new content and whatnot that it's much lower within games um which is surprising because I with the increase in games and the increase in the amount of money invested in games I would have thought that would have shot up on that but so yeah there's clearly a lot to unpack here Mike there's a ton 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 that we have here and I really think this caught people 
off guard a lot with how it was mentioned by Jeff and really kind of set this discussion across the industry in motion last Friday. Um, and naturally it happened on Friday. Couldn't happen on Thursday when we recorded or whatnot. Um, <laughs> but I don't think really necessarily any of this is a surprise to people though. Um, you know, anyone who's either paid attention to both Microsoft's acquisition with Bethesda or just Starfield's development in general. Um, but I think now this opens up a bigger conversation about Bethesda or surrounding Bethesda as a whole and knowing that this basically confirms now all Bethesda titles, at least what you should imagine as you being, you know, generic gamer, ABC, whatever you want to call yourself, you should expect or you should at least have the mindset now to expect that Bethesda titles are exclusive to game or to Xbox and Game Pass, obviously, if the first party, they're coming to Game Pass. Um, but to have that mindset now, to train your mind to think, kind of end that conversation of, and granted, we haven't gotten confirmation by Xbox. We haven't gotten confirmation from Microsoft or anything like that saying, hey, yes, for sure, Starfield is exclusive, this and that. Although we've had, you know, Phil Spencer on a few different occasions saying like, hey, we bought, we didn't buy Bethesda. Like he doesn't come out and say this, but he basically was saying, we didn't buy Bethesda to put them out on multiple consoles. We bought Bethesda to strengthen our lineup for our our uh, community and our the people who invest in our ecosystem to them to have the best you know they have exclusive titles to play within our platform supported platforms like he's been on record saying that so it shouldn't come as a surprise but i think this is just to train people to say like yes bethesda was once third party bethesda was once on everything that is not the case anymore and that's you know there's a whole conversation we could have about exclusivity i think if you listen to the show or you've had been listening to the show for a long time, you know, kind of our stance on exclusivity, like it's kind of great, but at the same time, you know, we're kind of more so, Hey, I want everyone to be able to play everything. I don't want gatekeeping. I don't like that. You know? So like it, it is what it is type kind of thing on my end with it all. But in general though, like we should be training ourselves to now know that, Hey, if it's supported by Xbox, the platform supported by Xbox, whether that be, console with the series x s one whatever um and i'm sure the one will fade out here eventually but pc mobile via cloud like expect that to be where to find bethesda games now don't expect it necessarily to be on a playstation platform um first and foremost at least so you know i said a few months ago that really starfield would be the indicator i think to see where this goes and if that ends up being exclusive well, that's a pretty good, you know, we have a pretty good indicator for the future. So first off, Mike, let's just kind of let's just kind of look at this broadly. Let's start just with Starfield, because that's a game I'm very excited for. I, I have a feeling you're very excited for um, us being both huge Bethesda fans. Um, so what are your hype levels for Starfield? You know, we barely really know anything about it since it's official reveal. Holy hell, that's almost three years ago now. Uh, and all we've gotten, yeah. we've literally, all we've gotten is a splash logo for the most part, a like 30 second teaser. Although, did get me hyped because I am a Bethesda stan. Like, I will admit that. Um, but, you know, so, yeah, it, we've barely seen anything. And, you know, that's not necessarily, that's not untrue. Like, traditionally that kind of aligns with Bethesda because they are very much, you know, Hey, we're keeping our cards close to the chest. We're not doing like, we won't talk about it until this game's ready. Look at fallout four, look at oblivion, look at like a lot of the stuff that fallout three, like look at the, 
in Skyrim even too, like kind of look at the trend of how they reveal their games and talk about it. It's usually like, hey, here's our game at E3. It's coming out six months later and you don't know anything before E3 about this game officially. So, you know, leaks happen and whatnot, but like this isn't necessarily unheard of for them, but with more info kind of continuing to leak out, such as like, you know, learning that it sounds like gameplay is leaning more towards a No Man's Sky experience than, you know, a space opera like Mass Effect right now with, you know, everyone falling back in love with Mass Effect. You know, it's going to traditionally kind of stray away from that, from what it sounds like. We don't know for sure yet, but from what leaks and some of the images we've seen kind of leak out, like, it sounds like that's going to be the direction. So where do your interests kind of currently lie with Bethesda Studios' next title? Like, what, where are you at right now with Starfield, Mike? Yeah, I'm, it's really hard to, like, I mean, I'm, am I excited? Absolutely. I'm like, I'm thrilled about it. I'm just, I'm a little bit concerned just because I don't know that much about it. Like, to be honest, mm -hmm. Fallout 4 was very, I thought it was good. Um, was it a little bit lackluster compared to what I'm used to from Bethesda? Mm -hmm. I think it'd be safe to say that. Like, it's not, no disrespect intended. It, I mean, I still enjoyed it for a certain amount of time, but I do feel like compared to what we're used to from Bethesda, it was a little soft. And then obviously with the with the kind of poopy launch that Fallout 74 had, um, there are reasons to be concerned because, quite frankly, their their track record has gone down. Like it's not just insta buys so much anymore. Like it it's still probably an instant buy. Don't get me wrong, and I'm mm -hmm. still gonna buy it probably day one and play it. But it's not as like don't even look at it and buy it type thing. Like Bethesda for a while was on the list of, like, Bethesda dropped the game. I'm not even looking at what it is. I don't care what it's about. It could be about fucking zoo, like, oh, zoo yeah. animals in a zoo. Like, like they're going to find a way. And I mean, yeah. like, I still kind of, I still am kind of like that to a degree with them. Granted, like, now that they've expanded so much more into the publishing realm, and, you know, granted, now it's all under Microsoft, but looking at Bethesda, the entity, like, you know, there are some games like Doom and stuff that I still instantly buy, but, mm -hmm. you know, from their publishing end, but there are some games I'm like, oh, I'm interesting. I'm going to wait on that, though. I'm going to, like, I, I don't, just because it's expanded, but I'm even still relatively like that with, like, I'm like you. I know when this game, like, granted, and I'll let you continue, but, like, I'm like you. Any Bethesda game before 76, really, instant buy. Like, and I have my recessions with, you know, Fallout 4, but I think I enjoyed it a little more than you did. I know Adam's enjoyed it a lot more than both of us have, um, but, and I'll let you continue, but uh, I, I, it was at one point, I mean, Bethesda really was instant, like, no hesitation, just buy it now. But, no, I didn't mean to interrupt I, you, though. <laughs> no, you're good. No, you're good. I was just letting you finish. Um, no, I... I, I agree, and I have my in, or I have my hype levels kind of um, under control. But I think it's one of those things where, like, as soon as I start seeing like footage from the game and stuff, I'm probably going to get out of control with it. So right now, because it's like it's one of those things that I've been watching, rewatching Entourage. And it's one of those things where, like, if if like I, I guess it's probably a little different than a than a an entourage reference where it's like if there's no money there's no movie type thing mm -hmm. like clearly there's there's money being spent so there's a game coming but until i actually see like a trailer like i'm not i'm not putting that much credence into it so mm -hmm. with with everything being said like i'm obviously thrilled i don't know how i feel about the no man's sky because i do feel like whenever bethesda gives you a somewhat streamlined experience that's when they're at their best 
see like I still think Oblivion was better than Skyrim because even though um there might have been like there was unlimited side quests, they were so repetitive in, in Skyrim that it was like kind of useless in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Where Oblivion, they still had a very linear progression, but because they did a linear progression with the main storyline, they could do linear progressions with multiple other storylines and made it so great that once you got through it all was there anything to be done maybe not but you're talking about going through the mages guild going through the fighters guild going through the thieves guild going through the dark brotherhood going through um the main quest going through the arena like then they had the add-ons and it's like there was so much to be done there that like i didn't mind it being linear so i do feel like bethesda is at its best when they're doing a linear type experience uh because even like fallout fallout 3 and fallout new vegas Mm -hmm. even though it was a published thing with fallout new vegas i do feel like you know with them being as linear as they were they were spectacular um but again i think the new generation is going to be good to bethesda because with fallout 4 it's very possible that they might have been trying to do a little bit too much and there's nothing wrong with that but i'm just excited to see what they're able to do with the next gen um you know, hardware and everything and what they're able to put out. I would say right now, my, my hype level is probably a five out of 10. Mm -hmm. And I know that's a, that's a bit low for someone who is, you know, self-admittedly a Bethesda fanboy. Mm -hmm. but it's one of those things where like with Elder Scrolls six, my hype level is like a two Mm -hmm. because all we've seen is like a little, um, like theatrical announcement and, with yeah. theatrical announcements, you just saw like, it, you saw a CG teaser, if you even want to yeah, call it. And that. like, I mean, and it's God. not even, and I'm sure the game's gonna look nothing like that. So it's like we saw, I'm not we even, saw, we literally saw. If you want to, like, we saw a high end GIF of that game, basically. Yes, <laughs> like, and it's like until I actually see what the game's gonna offer me, I'm not that excited. Which is the same with Starfield. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, it's it might be best for them to strike while the iron's hot. And, like, everyone is super into Mass Effect again, like you said. So maybe it'd be a good time to kind of be like, oh, yeah, by the way, here's a little info about Starfield. But, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. It's different times. So maybe they're going to be able to do something really special. And I think they will um, with Todd Howard being a little bit more I – f- I feel like he's going to be more invigorated. I feel like the entire team over there after the stinker that Fallout 76 was. Mm-hmm. So I'm super excited to see what they come up with. I'm sure it's going to be tremendous. And, uh, you know, we're going to be experiencing this and probably not till 2022, which is okay with me mm-hmm. because Elder Scrolls six probably isn't coming out until 2030. So <laughs> hold that thought. Cause we're definitely going to talk about that in a little bit, but, um, no, I, I, I completely understand the hesitation around everyone's hype with Starfield and I'm not, I'm not against that mindset by any means. I'm kind of like in line with that because all we do know is that I don't know how well I click with No Man's Sky because I haven't put a ton of time into No Man's Sky. Now, granted, who knows? And I fully imagine it's not going to be a carbon copy of No Man's Sky or anything like that. It's just a very open-ended adventure to go on um, to play No Man's Sky. But I think with the storytelling and the narrative, uh, you know, the narrative importance Bethesda has put on their titles in the past. I would be shocked if they still, you know, there's going to be an element of this. There's going to be an element of, you know, it is an RPG. So there's going to be elements of actual storytelling and immersion and things like that. Like it's not going to be a carbon cut version of No Man's Sky, which I, not that it would be bad if it was, but you know, I think, I think, 
For as much memingness that goes on with Todd Howard, he's a brilliant fucking mind when it comes to creativity within games. And that shouldn't be necessarily thrown to the fore, or that shouldn't be pushed away. That this is an idea that they've been sitting on for a long time. They've been wanting to make this game for a long time. They've been trying to figure out a way to, you know, find, do, it right. do it right and do it at the right time. Um, and I think this is, it's kind of almost like Bungie with Destiny. Um, you know, obviously in a different, you know, much different stratosphere, I'm sure, in terms of what this game actually is. But you get the point. They, they've they been wanting to make this title because they've been not boxed in. They've, you know, they they were, Bethesda was known for making Elder Scrolls, at least early on. And then Todd came in, started working on the game with Morrowind. And then, you know, Morrowind really kicked up the mass populace in terms of, you know, popularity with the franchise, with casual users, with them striking the deal with Microsoft to bring it to Xbox on console. And, you know, so it's, it really kind of, you know, they've been kind of boxed in a little bit because after Elder Scrolls, they were able to secure the Fallout license. They were able to buy the Fallout IP from Interplay. So like, you know, they Todd always wanted to make a Fallout game. He's on record saying that. Like, he loves Fallout. He was always a big fan of it. God, that'd be amazing to be able to do it. They looked into it. Hey, we're able to get it because, you know, Interplay went defunct. Cool, let's let's scrounge it up. Let's grab it up. So they wanted to obviously use that. So it's like one of those things that they never really had the chance for it. So, like, I'm totally excited just to see. And granted, I'm one of those people that... I love just seeing, whether it's with movies, whether it's games, with entertainment in terms of really the art that comes along with it. I'm I'm one of those people. I'm more open and susceptible to let it, just trying different things and seeing people's takes. Like, I'm one of those people. I don't care if a movie's made 50 different times or, a care, or like, I'm a, I'm a huge comic fan. I grew up adoring Batman. There's been 50 fucking billion Batmans now. But you know what? I'm open for trying, seeing new things because maybe it's just because I've grown up on comics and stuff like that that there were 60 billion different, you know, uh, runs of Batman with different iterations of the character. Like, I'm open to seeing people's iterations of things. I, art is interpretive and it's it's meant to be evolved on and things like that. And I usually have that mindset with games specifically that, you know, hey, it might not look like it's for me. That doesn't mean I don't want to try it or at least see what it's about or see that, hey, that may not be for me, but it's still a good thing. So, like, I'm open for really whatever they want to give me. Like you said, we're both Bethesda, big Bethesda fans. I still, you know, we talk about one of the best experiences in gaming I've ever had, and I know we've kind of talked about it on the show, but the first time you step out of the Imperial sewers, like, in Oblivion, is a magical experience. The first time I ever played Morwen stepping off the ship is a magical experience. Like it, 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 these games that they make, the worlds that they make, the first time that you come out of, you know, the first time you emerge in Fallout Three is a magical experience. The first, and I still think it is, even though you know it wasn't the experience I necessarily wanted, but still enjoyed it very much. Coming out of the vault in Fallout Four, like the way they present that is incredible. Like. They know how, nobody, in my mind at least, nobody has been able to find, make and find the secret sauce to open world Western RPGs like Bethesda have. In terms of their environments, in terms of your, your interaction with the world. Um, CD Projekt Red has come really, really close. Um, but I think The Witcher in general is such a 
different RPG than Bethesda. I mean, you are much more, there's no customization really with that and whatnot. You're being told Geralt's story, you control how it goes. And there's nothing wrong with that because I fucking adore The Witcher 3. So like, at the same time though, I'm I'm just so interested to see where this goes. Like my hype level, me personally, I'm at like a seven or eight and it's only going to go up more. Like it's going to be an instant buy for me. Oh, two here also to add to the conversation, just because it's just popped up while I was talking. Uh, Bethesda has now confirmed Microsoft and Bethesda have both uh, confirmed basically that they will be from what it looks like. Um, they have confirmed like, yes, the Bethesda and Microsoft conferences for E3 will be conjoined. So it looks like it's good to go. Um, but yeah, so my 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 hype for Starfield is very, very high. But at the same time, I also do have my reservations how this is going to go and whatnot. But I, I, I'm more, as I get older, I'm more and more open to just trying new experiences and getting, you know, interested in different experiences. And like I said, it's a Bethesda game. So I'm going to try it. I'm still, I still have that sort of blind faith when it comes to Bethesda Game Studios you know, developed games. Um, I think you'd be crazy not to. Right. Oh, 100%. Completely agree. So, uh, so kind of jumping over to the next thing, you know, whether the game is ready or not in 2021, does it, would it even logically make sense for Starfield to drop in 2021? Like, does it logically make more sense, I should say, I guess, for Starfield to drop in 2022 when you look at Xbox's potential holiday 2021? Obviously, we have Halo Infinite that's coming out at the end of this year. Um, that's their big release currently right now that we know of, at least. But, you know, could releasing two major AAA first party titles within the same quarter of the year potentially harm sales and focus for one or the other? Hell, even both. You know, we've kind of seen it happen before with EA releasing Titanfall 2 and Battlefield 1 in a very short window between each other and really only now is Titanfall 2 kind of getting the attention it really deserves because that single player campaign is fucking fantastic and also too the multiplayer is fun as hell too but you know does it make more sense just logistically when it comes to being able to roll out all of you know your titles and keep a continuous flow of attention to everything Xbox to release Starfield in 2022 compared to 2021 yeah, I'd, I think like everything you're everything you just said makes a whole lot of sense. And the question being, does it make a whole lot of sense? I don't think it would because you pretty much painted the picture for everyone. And I just want to reiterate, like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for a Microsoft first party studio to compete directly with another one, especially when a game like Star Force or Starfield, I'm sorry, a game like Starfield could take away from Halo or vice versa. It would probably be the other way around but if it's going to be ready in 2021 which is like fine mm -hmm. it will be ready in march of 2022 like you'll be able to maybe do a little bit more q a do some other stuff like that so why are you in a hurry to get a game out when you know halo is coming out mm -hmm. or or supposedly because part of me still thinks that there might be a chance that halo misses this year but that's that's me being a little bit cynical if you will i I hope it, I'm obviously hoping it makes it out, but if, if, if Halo truly is coming out, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Bethesda will get a few extra months to really polish some things off and get some things in the works because it seems like it's even more common nowadays for 
studios to get a game ready, ready to roll. And then basically after they get this game ready to roll, which is, which is terrific, you know, they have DLC basically ready to rock on day one. Mm -hmm. So even if the game's ready and like, you really don't need to do anything else to it, it'll, you can just start working on DLC pretty much immediately and give people some more, some more uh, reason to buy because you could even release it and have like a $90 version that gives you DLC day one or something goofy. Like there's a lot of stuff that you can do with a game. If you just take your time and, and get it out and don't compete with another studio. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to compete with potentially the biggest game in, in Xbox history. Hopefully, you know, there's there's a lot going on with, with Halo. And, you know, directly competing against it just doesn't seem like, you know, something that you should do. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, uh, uh, and I agree. And granted, too, like, there's not going to be a lot of times... and outside of, you know, marketing things and whatnot, we're talking about a buffer of, you know, there's there's maybe a couple weeks or a month or something that sometimes, hey, we're going to we're gonna delay the game a month or whatever just to make sure they'll save for polish or whatnot. Yeah, to make it, to flush it out a little bit, give it a little space to get a little more marketing through on it and whatnot. That's different from, I could never, if, if a game's ready... If a game's ready in, you know, 2021, if it's ready for a November release, 2021, it's been, you know, nobody, the game wouldn't be sitting on, they wouldn't be sitting on the game and just polishing the game from September on. Like in a playable, hey, it went gold in, you know, September of last year. That's, no, the game would be out if that's the case. Nobody's holding that because that's dollars lost, realistically. Nobody's holding a game that long, especially if we're talking about a large-scale AAA game, the millions of dollars that's already been, you know, dumped into this game uh, for since, you know, September of last year, you know, up until then. If you're saying, oh, we're they're, they've basically been holding it, and they're going to hold it for a year more. The amount of man dollar, like money that's spent on manpower there alone is asinine like no no business would ever do that like if they're trying to get a product out like that that's just it, it wouldn't happen it just wouldn't happen the cost wouldn't be eaten that much so the whole fact of just thinking about starfield coming out in 2021 it's been sat on like that rumor kind of debunks itself to begin with because we would have heard much more about the game and it wouldn't have been held that long for cost alone whether you got microsoft money or not that's just not a logical thing to do so you know it, it alone makes much more sense to move this game or to have this game in 2022 because one, I fully believe the game is not ready to launch and it's not coming out until 2022. I fully envision this game. You know, I've heard some things, some of the, you know, some of the people I've talked to and some of the sources I've seen and whatnot have been hearing, Hey, you know, it's coming quarter one, 2022. I, I personally don't know about that. It'd be, I wouldn't be shocked, you know, hey, if we get, or within the first half of 2022, hey, cool, I wouldn't be shocked with that completely, I wouldn't be caught off guard, be like, oh my god, like, you know, if it comes out then, but at the same time, I kind of see this game being maybe that tentpole franchise for, or that tentpole release for Microsoft, you know, maybe of, you know, quarter three, quarter four, like, quarter, I don't think it would go to quarter four, but, you know, if it, we see a release in that september to november range of that year why not um you know that could be their big holiday title that wouldn't shock me i mean look at a lot of the previous titles that we've seen from bethesda um come out around that so it's like 
I, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw that then. Um, at the same time, though, you know, sure, that's, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if I they came out and said, you know, they're showing it, you know, at E3 and they're saying, hey, you know, I fully expect they're going to put a blanket 2022 on this. So in general, this makes much more sense because, too, like I was kind of saying in the question alone, we've seen cannibalization and we already know how much how much importance is put on Halo Infinite succeeding just with the Halo brand in general and Microsoft too needing that to hit for their their tentpole franchise like Halo has enough of an uphill battle to climb right now as it is so anything getting in that its way like this go this game you know need, needing already to go to 2022 helps it a ton and I think helps Starfield as well because this being that first big really realistically this will be the first big title to come out of the expansion of Microsoft and Xbox Game Studios the new future of Xbox Game Studios this will be Starfield will be that first big one because we fully already expected you know Halo with a new Halo coming from and really we've been now seeing this game for three plus years so it's like you know, nobody's shocked by that. Nobody's shocked by a Halo coming out or anything like that. But Starfield will really, it looks like, be that first true game that we see from the new vision of what Xbox gaming is in Xbox Game Studios. So having that have its own breath and space is, I think, paramount. Not necessarily it's a Bethesda game. People will play it and whatnot, and the PC community will eat it up. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But to me... For the console side, it's it's pivotal for this game to have its space to breathe, to be able to, especially a new IP too. That that needs all the space it needs. But so, Mike, kind of moving on a little bit. While I don't think it really comes to a surprise as many, and you know, we kind of touched upon it already while talking about it and whatnot. But I kind of want to dig a little deeper into it and kind of get your thoughts on it. I don't think it really comes to as a surprise to many, but it is interesting to see Xbox and Golf Bethesda into their E3 presser to a degree, um, you know, considering how adamant both parties really seemed to be into Bethesda remaining, quote unquote, themselves, if you want to call them that, you know, having their identity as a developer and publisher and, you know, really kind of, you know, I'm sure leaning off of the, the publishing end of that, obviously now they're being published by Microsoft and whatnot, but having Bethesda as an identity and an umbrella term almost still and kind of letting them still operate relatively unchanged. So, you know, granted, we're dealing with a lot of, you know, COVID after effects still in, you know, so 2022, you know, we may see a change. Who the hell knows? We may see that move away from, you know, doing this joint venture. If we go back to doing in-person uh, E3 briefings or pressers or things like that, you know, conferences in general, you know, we may go back to seeing that. And who the hell knows? We may see Bethesda kind of stand on their own one on again. But Mike, do you think this is an really an indicative move of as to the direction, I guess, of Bethesda under Microsoft, or does this format really just kind of fit the direction of Bethesda for the next year or so? Um, you know, the short term of Bethesda, um, this transitional phase, you know, with the support kind of leading up to Starfield and, you know, that being really their only big focus coming up, at least from Bethesda proper Bethesda game studios, I should say, you know, what do you kind of think on that? Yeah, I think, the thing that you should pay attention to a little bit more is something that we covered, you know, when the acquisition first happened, which was what 
is going to what's going to happen when Bethesda gets to release games? Like, you know, what's the what's the vision like? Or is it going to be exclusive? You know, what's the deal? And we kind of talked about it. You know, we thought that a game like Starfield would almost certainly be exclusive because what's the point of chunking out the money if you're not going to get some exclusives out of Bethesda? But we thought that the Elder Scrolls games probably wouldn't be exclusive because they really haven't been. I mean, outside of Morrowind, you know, but I think that's a little bit more indicative of the relationship than E3. I think Bethesda doesn't have a lot to show right now because if Starfield was ready to rock, sure, like, you know, maybe they'd be, you know, maybe they'd be good to go and just do their own show because, you know, Starfield's it. But it seems like Starfield's a little bit away yet. And with that all being considered, they don't have a whole lot to show off. So why would they even bother having their own show Mm -hmm. if, you know, they don't have anything to show basically, right? right? So I think that it just makes a whole lot of sense. I don't think it's too indicative of the relationship. I think, you know, Starfield probably being exclusive as well as... The Elder Scrolls is is something a little, maybe a little bit more indicative of what the relationship's going to be. Um, but again, Microsoft didn't shell out big bucks for Bethesda to, you know, let Sony get everything from them anyway. Um, that's that's what I look at. And this isn't a, a situation with like the MLB where the MLB is like basically flexing their muscle on Sony to say, hey, like you can still be, you know, you can it can still be developed by Sony Entertainment. But it, we got to get it on Xbox. We need a little bit more exposure because baseball's dying. So it needs to be, you know, getting exposed to as many people as humanly possible. Whereas with with Starfield and games like that, that's not necessarily an issue. So um, that's what I that's what I look at this relationship between the two, and that's what I think. I don't think it's necessarily the biggest deal in the world that Bethesda isn't having their own presser, especially if they don't have anything to show. Right. Yeah. And I just think. You know, a, a lot of people have been bringing up that I see, like, um, you know, will this be, are we going to have that moment where, you know, not, you know, when they first, when the announcement of Bethesda being acquired by Microsoft and Xbox really was kind of, you know, shown and announced and kind of, you know, the palm and circumstance around it, it was a, you know, Xbox slash Bethesda. It was shown as equals. It was shown as, you know, which is great. And I think that's the clear move to at that time to show. But a lot of people are bringing up, is this the. Could this be the time we see them take a hard stance on from a marketing standpoint and from a brand management standpoint of, you know, they show that same type of thing and then they show the Xbox, you know, logo or word mark overtake the Bethesda part and just show Bethesda being in that umbrella you know, of game studios. Like there's no more, like it's Bethesda game studios. And then just all of the regular, like they all fit into there. And I don't think this is where we see that. And even with how this is kind of shown, I don't think, or like them doing a joint press conference and whatnot. I don't think this is shown because we're still going to have, you know, Ghostwire Tokyo and Deathloop. Those are still as of right now for at least a year, PlayStation five exclusives. So, Mm -hmm. like, on console, at least they'll be on PC, but console exclusives on PlayStation 5, and, you know, Xbox and Microsoft are honoring that. They're they're honoring deals that Bethesda made before their acquisition. So, you know, I don't think it's necessarily the right time to do that, but maybe next year, you know, whenever there is more of a... I, I would imagine... I wouldn't be shocked if we go into E3 next year, or we leave E3 next year, I guess I should say, knowing more about 
Elder Scrolls Six. Um, maybe not much more, but we may. Like, I feel like that's when we're going to start to see more announcements of the future of Bethesda within Microsoft. Uh, be known in the vision of that end. Um, and we may see, obviously, the seeds planted this year, but I still think they don't have a lot to necessarily, they're ready to show yet this year. Like you're saying, so what's the point of, you know, having a press conference if you if you don't? Like a few years ago, I think it was 2017 or 2016, one of the two, that they did a digital, pretty much a digital only event where they didn't do the pomp and circumstance. They didn't have the whole, you know, from going from the year before where, we had, you know, a full, pretty much a full press conference dedicated to in person that filled the hall with for uh, Fallout 4's reveal, like to then go to, you know, hey, we don't have a ton on the books this year. Let's we're doing a digital event. It's a lot of DLC. It's a lot of, hey, we're updating you on how ESO is going, like things like that. And then they went back to in person, in person, in person. So like. Yeah, it makes sense. And last year with COVID and everything like that, it did make sense to do one again. It didn't even make sense to do a digital one because they just weren't in that position to be like, yeah, this makes sense to do. So they didn't have anything. This year, they do have stuff clearly because, like I usually say, where there's smoke, there's fire, and there's a lot of smoke around Starfield right now. Clearly, they're getting ready to show that game. So yeah, it makes sense to have E3 this year. And everything that Jeff is saying and... Uh, and uh, Jason as well is saying, like, that lines up to expectations. There's no point to, you know, necessarily do your own. Now, next year, who knows? We may we may see that be lumped in, and we may see that uh, eventual transition to just Bethesda being known as an Xbox brand, where right now they're still not, and that doesn't necessarily make sense. But maybe by next year, we're trending in that direction. We're ready to, you know, both are, both parties are ready to kind of take that step. Or maybe it's the year after, something like that. Who knows? And maybe, but maybe next year it is, hey, we're going to stick and have Bethesda do one more conference on their own because they have a lot to talk about. They're ready to talk about Doom, the new Doom 3. They're ready to talk about Wolfenstein, um, you know, Wolfenstein 3. They're ready to talk about... Uh, uh, Rage 3 or something like that. You get what I'm saying. But they're ready to, you know, have that. And they're ready to talk about Deathwire Tokyo or Ghostwire Tokyo. I'm sorry. I'm getting Deathloop and that mashed in. But Ghostwire Tokyo, they're ready to talk about that. Um, and that's a PlayStation conversation. So, like, maybe it is best to have them separated from Microsoft this time around. So, yeah, it makes sense because they don't have a lot to talk about right now. So, like, why would they? So, in, in, yeah, it why just, rush it? It why just logically, it, it feels right to do it this direction. I don't think that's indicative of the direction of Bethesda. Like, I think, I think both parties are very adamant on that stance of, yes, they're going to be a Microsoft company. And eventually, it is going to be, they're just a Xbox game studios. Like, they're just built into that. But I definitely think both are very, very, very transparent and truthful when they're saying we want to keep things the way they kind of operations for Bethesda the way they were because there is a reason why Bethesda is so popular and so successful with what they've done in gaming for so long and it's because they do things very differently than a lot of AAA studios they are very up until recently and I feel that dynamic has changed a little bit now that they are acquired by Microsoft which is kind of backwards thinking but um they've had that very mom and pop like not big business feel of them. And it's weird that I feel much more that they're trending back towards that now being within a big business. Um, but I think because they're now not having to worry about, they don't have to worry ever about 
a game failing, a game not being popular enough. Like, for example, you know, we're not going to see a dis, or we weren't going to see probably see a Dishonored three for quite a long time, if at all. If they were still independent or like quote unquote independent, they're you get what I'm saying. But they weren't owned by Microsoft or anything, and they had they were looking out. Zenimax was looking out for their own bankroll, where. You know, Dishonored 2, while it was critically acclaimed and a lot of people like it, and I fucking love it, it didn't sell well. It did not sell well, so they had to worry about that. It's like, fuck, we probably can't do another Dishonored game. Now their deal with Microsoft, they can go back to worrying about creative, not having to worry about financial decisions that impact creative decisions. Like, they can focus on those creative decisions again. So, to me, like, I think both are very honest in their approach to this, that... Microsoft says, you know, we acquired you for a reason. It's because of the way you conduct business and make the environment you bring the people you brought in to what's the word I'm looking for, kind of like really hone in this environment of creativity that there's a reason why your games are so successful and what you do is so successful. And it's because of the way you operate. And we don't want to change that. And Bethesda's like, cool, yeah, we're totally open to taking a fuck ton of money to make sure we never have to worry about any of our studios under our umbrella, you know, making sure that all their employees get paid and this and that, and they can fund all of the games they want to do for the most part. Like, but we also don't want to lose our identity. You know, if we can do that, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> you can take us. <laughs> so... Um, I, I'm with you, Mike. I don't think this changes much. So, so kind of rounding out our conversation. Obviously, you know, let's address. I guess the elephant in the room because I told you, hey, let's hold on, let's wait on that. You know, obviously, the Elder Scrolls Six is one of the most anticipated games, arguably the most anticipated game announced in the industry right now. Um, but obviously, it's quite a ways off, <laughs> as you were kind of alluding to. So, something that really did stick out to me, though, from Jason Schreier's, uh, from uh, Jason Schreier's thread, I'm sorry, kind of zoned off there for a second, had a brain fart. Jason Schreier's thread, um, we mentioned earlier, that was true on production on Starfield, that it didn't begin until Fallout 76 development wrapped up, with Jason stating that, yeah, the main Rockville. Bethesda Game Studio was more involved than many thought they were uh, with the Austin studio doing much of the heavy lifting, but Rockville studio being the main Bethesda Game Studio studio, like being much more involved than a lot of people did, you know? So, and granted, there was a smaller team working on the foundation of Starfield during that time. You know, I imagine more pre-production such as, you know, concepting and drafting and early modifications to the creation engine and the like, stuff like that. You know, but I'm curious as to what that says now about the production timeline for the next Elder Scrolls entry. You know, I'm very much in the camp of, hey, you know what? It'll be ready when it's ready. You know, granted, I've been waiting a long fucking time for this game. You've been waiting a long fucking time for this game, Mike. We've been chomping at the bit for a new Elder Scrolls experience because there really is nothing that touches an Elder Scrolls RPG experience. It's truly one of a kind. And Yeah, and it felt like Skyrim was a bit of like a, a cock tease, if you will. Like, it right. was... It was good, but it wasn't quite. That's know, the what... thing with Skyrim. It is there is no there's no shortchanging. It is a good video game. Like there is there's no shortchanging saying, oh, it's just fucking horrible. No, no, no. It is a very good video game. There's a reason why when it's re-released all these times, people buy it up because it is a good video game. But it was very much a 
it it very much moved away. It very much, you know, wanted to be the biggest RPG experience out there that anybody who hasn't, even if you've never played an RPG experience, it, it wanted to lower that barrier to entry. Like there were a lot of, there was a lot less RPG mechanics than we traditionally seen in there, which, you know, annex some of the, you know, fan base and whatnot. And like, yeah, I know you were saying, Mike, you were, you know, obviously a little disappointed in that and, you know, stuff that you did or whenever you first played Skyrim. So like, you know, and that's understandable, but, you know, this is an experience with six that I think so many people are just chomping at the bit ready to fucking play this game, man. So, you know, I'm just I'm really curious to see what the timeline looks like for the next, you know, one. But like I said, I'm I'm in the camp of, hey, when it's ready, it's ready. I want the game to be the best in the best possible or I want it to be the vision for that game to be as fleshed out as possible from I don't want any creative I don't want crunch or anything to get in the way and I think Microsoft now being in that camp helps that that they can have the space to do that and they have the money too if they want to try to get it out to hire as much as they can really to get the ball rolling and do it in a timely fashion and in a polished fashion um you know so but I'm very much in the camp of hey it's ready when it's ready just as I am with Starfield but you know and while we have confirmation that there is obviously a team working on the Elder Scrolls 6 in at the very minimum, if you want to go back to the anniversary video that Bethesda put out for the Elder Scrolls, there they do have some snippets of, you know, character creation, and they were scanning the Skyrim grandma into the game. Um, they were doing some, uh, working on some textures and stuff like that for some of the environments. Like, you can go in and actually see, there is work being done on this game. It's not just a CG fucking JPEG that they put up there. Um, you know, we don't know what that team looks like, though. Um, so... Mike, do you think now that it seems Starfield is entering its last, you know, let's just say very conservatively, you know, very conservative, very conservatively, if I could spit it out, at least last six to 12 months of development, if not a little bit more, but the last, you know, stretch of its development, let's say, do you think that team sizes have shifted yet? Do you think we've seen now that, you know, Starfield is probably on the back end of its development? You know, have we seen more them start to load up for the Elder Scrolls 6? Have we seen them work in tandem? You know, has full development started on the next entry in the Elder Scrolls? Will it be another four plus years until we see its release? Or with now the heavy lifting, you know, with the retooling of the creation engine tool set and that modification being done, the heavy lifting on that done already for Skyrim, or Skyrim, I'm sorry, Starfield already, could we see it maybe within the next two to three years? You know, more of a, you know, oblivion to fallout three schedule of what that kind of looked like you know how does the next you know how does all this microsoft money play into it with hiring you know between austin and rockville and all these other subsidiaries that bethesda game studios has you know what do you think about all this mike yeah i mean i'm hopeful that the game comes out as soon as possible i think that it's probably best served like the studio is probably best served obviously to kind of finish up what they're currently working on before moving on to what's next. And I know that's a bit of a commonsensical thing, but I do think that some of the bigger studios get into this realm where, like, they have different teams working on different things, and they're always trying to, like, get more than one... Th- like, there's always more than one iron in the fire, if you will. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like that's a trap that some of the bigger studios run into, because it's like, we have all this money, all these resources. You know, we have different teammates with different strengths. Let's get these games out. 
where Bethesda's one where, you know, they clearly work on one thing, finish it up and work on the next. And with that, with all that being said, I think that, you know, what they learn from developing Starfield, they can obviously hope to bring to Elder Scrolls six. Like, I think that's one of the things that's a little bit underrated about working on one game at a time is like some of the things that you employ in Starfield while the game is going to be different. Um, obviously because of the settings there's things that you're going to develop in starfield that you're going to probably bring over to elder Scrolls six <laughs> and there's things that you want to mess around with and see if it's even possible and when you have a game built like like starfield you have the opportunity to be like well even though elder scrolls is probably going to be on a little bit of a different engine and things of that nature you're going to be able to like kind of just test it and see like if something like that would actually work and I think that's one of the best things is like kind of getting like the the um the plug and chug method that people employ in math with some problems or um you know whenever you get get the opportunity to just like uh error like you know um you just correct different errors and and you mm -hmm. get to the chance to employ things and then if it doesn't work out you just say okay well then we can we can adjust it or we can fix it and then you know what's going to work coming down the coming down the aisle for Elder Scrolls Six because, you know, whenever you're coming out with with a ton of new technology with the graphics cards and everything that are coming out, and then you have, um, you know, the different the different um games that are coming out on different engines. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of moving parts, and with a new console generation, there's a lot of different capabilities the console can do and can't do. And sinking your teeth into a game like Starfield, well, obviously I'm not saying like, oh, totally just scrap the idea of of Starfield. You know, who gives a shit if it's if it's a good game or not? Like, that's not what I'm I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is like, Starfield's a massive undertaking, but Elder Scrolls Six is a game that people have been waiting years for. Right. And not that people haven't been waiting years for Starfield or or an experience like it, but it just feels like you know, there's a lot on the line for a new Elder Scrolls. Like, it's a game that people have been wanting for a very long time. And I'm just curious to see what they come out with. And making a game like Starfield first just seems to make sense because anything that works for Starfield or whatever might work for the Elder Scrolls and, and vice versa. Yeah, and, and realistically, you got to think, too, from that standpoint... In a roundabout way, it's a less not normally. I new IPs are a riskier play. You know, it's it's you don't know what you're going to get out of it. But in that mindset, you could say that you know it's a less risky play that you could kind of use Starfield as that testing bed. That yeah, we're going to expect that. You know, I don't think it's ridiculous because it could go either way, obviously. But I don't think it's ridiculously like unheard of to think that, hey, a new IP isn't going to sell, sell as much as an established one. So, you know, maybe we can try some tinkering with this tool set that we're making for the creation engine or, you know, how this works with this version. We have a little time where our bread and butter is going to be the Elder Scrolls. That's what we know people have been clamoring for. They know that they could put that out They've known for, that they could put that out at any point. That could be their next game that we can do. We can roll right from Skyrim into uh, Elder Scrolls 6. If we really want to, we could say fuck Fallout and go right into that. But they didn't, obviously, because they know Fallout sells a ton too. Like, But point being that 
they know that Elder Scrolls is their bread and butter. That's what they're known for. They know, and Skyrim has now become one of the most successful games of all time. That it's like, you're going to have the casual community in there. You're going to have, you know, people who don't really game, who know about Skyrim. They've heard of Skyrim. You know, my parents have heard of Skyrim. Like, mm -hmm. it's just one of those things that people have heard about with if, in pop culture. It's just a pop culture thing now that, you know, they don't necessarily need to know about Bethesda or the Elder Scrolls. They've heard of Skyrim. So like things like that are going to carry that where you could try to take some liberties with the, you know, creation engine and whatnot. And there's a reason why developers hold on to these engines for so long. I mean, hell look at, look at Halo. I mean, realistically the slip space engine is the new, is the first engine within Halo that's been used in Halo since the original engine that was used back developing it for the original Xbox. There's a reason why that, you know, that tool set, it evolves. There's, you know, obviously iterations and upgrades to it and done and whatnot, but you know, people who don't necessarily know how that technology works, think of an engine is kind of just this, Oh, there's an engine made for each game that comes out and this and that and yada, yada. And, you know, it's 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 the reason why, like, a lot of people with Bethesda, a lot of people are like, oh, it's buggy because the it's buggy because the um, the engine and that's they need a new engine and this and that. And it's like maybe on a minor level, some of those things might play into it because you are, you know, depending on what version it is and whatnot. But like, no, that's not necessarily right. They're developing a game that is so broad in its scale it's also being developed across a myriad of consoles and different pieces of technology and has to be able to work on all of those. Like that's where you get into more of the issues at hand. Like it's not necessarily the engine's fault, but you know, it's, it's stuff like, like it, it's, it's a star field like that where you could look into and take this engine that people have been using for so long and upgrade it and figure it out and, you know, be able to try those things that you've been working on, to that engine to see if they work and then take that. Okay. We've learned this and we've been able to obviously update it as we go with Starfield that cool. We can, we took our chances with the new IP. Hey, it hit. It was great. People liked it. Let's carry some of those aspects that we've had in that engine or things we've learned with that into elder scrolls. And I think them already having the engine done, the modifications done to it and them being on record, I believe it was Todd Howard saying on record, like this is the biggest modification we've done in any version of our game engine ever before to sustain it or sustain it moving into the next generation um, where our games can evolve and do things that we've never thought before were achievable. Um, so, you know, obviously that's really good to hear. But, um, you know, I think with on that end, and especially too, once again, look back at Halo and them making the slip space engine for minimum two years alone. That's all they worked on was the engine. They were creating a brand new engine from the ground up. Now, if it was even remotely, you know, a half of that for what they did with the creation engine and upgrading that for the next gen, I mean, you got to think alone on development for that that's a year in itself, at least, if not more. So moving, you know, taking that equation out of starting from scratch with that game, like, yeah, you're looking at like cutting off a nice chunk of time. You know, we could potentially see, you know, by 2024, the next Elder Scrolls. Like that wouldn't necessarily shock me. Like, I think this game is 
it's not in full development, I don't think, but I think the basis of this game is, you know, they have a good understanding of where this game's at. There's a reason why that this game hasn't come out in such a long time. One, obviously, because Skyrim sells a shit ton, and they've had other projects they want to work on, and this and that, that Elder Scrolls is already established, and this and that. They, they're able to go to that and go to that well at any point, and they know that. But at the same time, there's a reason why, and the idea for this game has been there for a long time, and I'm sure of it. And, you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's going to be High Rock, it's going to be Redfall, you know, and a lot of those lore aspects line up. There's a reason why, and there's a reason why that they've waited to make this game for a long time because what they want to do with this game is probably going to be pretty transformative in now a world where there's a sea of RPGs out there that you can go and grab at any point because we're talking about the franchise that really, truly changed the way that we look at RPGs from both consoles specifically, but also in general in the Western portion of the world. Like, we look at, you know, there are games out there... Most RPGs that have come out since then, in terms of the format that, you know, that they're in that look like the Elder Scrolls is because there's a reason why, because they are, they were influenced by the Elder Scrolls. The Elder Scrolls, especially when it comes to, I would say, Morrowind, really set the trend of first person RPGs, fantasy RPGs at least, for sure, within, you know, the console sphere, especially like. They set the trend. Everyone wanted to copy and have that success of Morrowind and then obviously into Oblivion and now clearly Skyrim, but especially Morrowind. I mean, that to me was the one that really kind of stood out that was like, I saw so many people and so many developers wanting to get on that train and make RPG experiences like that, that that influenced so much of where we are today that I want to say that really, Sky, and even then, I would even dare to say Skyrim pushed that bar a little bit whenever it came out because there wasn't an experience like Skyrim to that expansion and what it, you know, environmentally and whatnot. But like, they're wanting to do that again. And I think they're wanting to do that kind of in a twofold with Starfield. But I think they want Elder Scrolls 6 to really be that pillar. And there's a reason why it's taking that long. But. I would be shocked if we also get it in 2024, 2025 at the latest. Like, I think I, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I think that's a reasonable thing to ask, especially, too, we're looking at a 14-year gap between games at that point. So, it, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we get it within there. I, you know, it's just, it's crazy to think that we haven't had a game in that long, saying that out loud, like, we're going to be looking at a 15-year, you know, almost a 15-year gap between games. It's like... And really, you got what? Since Skyrim launched, you had Fallout 4, then you had Fallout 76, and you'll have Starfield. So you have three games between that. And realistically, one was a flop, massive flop for yeah. the most part. That it's like, so even remove that, because I think a lot of people aren't going to look at, at 76 that much. They're going to let that be that dark period, but. It's just crazy to think about that. It's it's so crazy to think about we're we're going to be on the ten year anniversary of Skyrim and the last true Elder Scrolls experience that we've gotten. Um, traditional Elder Scrolls experience, I guess I should say. But I'm very excited for that game. I'm very excited for Starfield. I'm very excited for the future of Bethesda, especially under Microsoft. And I just feel like it all makes sense right now. Um, and I think I'm let's put it this way: I'm the most excited I've been about. Bethesda in quite a while since probably the launch of, you know, post launch of 76 um, that 
I, I think I think we're going to see a change in direction for them a little bit in terms of in a positive way. And I think people are going to be really receptive to um, I think we're going to see more creative things come out of there. And I think it's going to start with Starfield. And I think Starfield is going to catch up a lot of people off guard um, and be a good mirror of, hey, it's like, you know, um, like No Man's Sky. But we're having a narrative. We're having the experience that we know in the detailed environments that we know from Bethesda. And we know to learn, you know, grow in love from them. So, and when it comes to Elder Scrolls, I just think this is, there's a reason why we've waited this long. And I think now that they've had that time to really kind of bolster that creation engine and evolve it to move forward, because I mean, I'll be honest, I, I felt the, I did feel a little bit of the, I felt a little bit of the strain that seeing what it had at that point by the time, you know, Fallout 4 came out. So it was needed, and I definitely think now that they're going to be in a better place. But if they were able to take, do that heavy lifting with Starfield, and that's why we haven't seen much of it, and that's why we haven't really, like, we're waiting to see, you know, what comes next from them. Because, you know, they probably spent a year or two updating that engine to get it where it needs to go. Like, cool. Like, I'm ready to see. Like, I think that's going to fast track a lot of things moving forward, and we're going to hear a lot more from Bethesda proper on what they're going to do. And especially now under Microsoft where they can hire when they need to, and they don't have to worry about games necessarily flopping. Like they can, they could focus on what they do best. And that's making these creative, unique experiences within RPGs specifically. So Mike, we talked a lot today. <laughs> we talked a lot about Bethesda and we talked a lot about Starfield. So I think that kind of wraps up our conversation on that end. But before we do that, let's end the button mash. Before we wrap up the show for this week and if you're new to the show if you're new time listener button mash is where we propose one question at the end of each week of the show that we want to discuss with you it could be as simple as what's your favorite story beat in the game or what have you been playing during quarantine or could be a little more in depth as to like you know why is this negative stigma around gaming still exist and after answering it ourselves we'll kick it over to you to tweet your responses to the question over on our twitter at gpgc podcast and we'll read some of the following responses or the responses the following week you could also email us too like uh Aaron did for our question that we had last week. I'll get to it in a second, but uh, you can do so at bonusaccessory at gmail.com. So as I was saying, last week's question, what is a Bethesda franchise you were hoping to see thrive under Microsoft outside of Fallout and Elder Scrolls? And Aaron said, I'd love to see what the ceiling is for id, id software, that is home of Doom, uh, can be under Microsoft. With how much of a heater they're on right now with Doom, I'd love to see where that franchise can continue to go. And hell, I'd love to potentially see an expansion of the studio to possibly have a separate team focus on a new IP. Should be pretty dope. So, Mike, this week's question, what's a game from your childhood, uh, obviously we're focusing on Xbox and PC, that you loved, but now looking back on it, the critical reception now you see it was viewed as pretty bad. So like what's a game that you had or that you loved growing up that now you kind of look back on now and it's like you realize, oh, that was kind of critically panned that like nobody liked back then, but you're a kid and like you just loved this game. Like do you have any that come to mind? I mean, um, I guess like... I don't know. Maybe like the first Shadow Run. Oh, you mean the uh, uh, 2007 one? Yeah, the one that was the, like the, the first person yeah. shooter. Dude, I, and 
I try to, we've had this whole conversation, you, Adam and I, and I, that I tried to find, like, get that game working um, over Christmas. Like, while I had some time off for the holidays, like, I, I don't know why, but I was like, God, I forgot that game was on PC. And for some reason, like, I love that game. Like, I'm like you, I love that game. I remember playing, and I guarantee more people played that demo than the actual game, that having that multi free multiplayer demo uh, available on Xbox Live, like, I remember putting so much time in that summer leading up to that game's launch, like, playing that demo that it really, like, kind of was, like, to be honest, it was almost like Valorant before Valorant. Now, like, kind of thinking out loud, like, the concept it's like of like a it, better version of it. Like, it it had the, it was more, it was a much more tactical experience than, you know, your traditional console shooter. Like, it very much leaned into Counter-Strike in many ways, especially with the economy, like, having to buy perks and have to buy weapons and things like that and manage your money like you do, your team's money, I should say, like you do in Counter-Strike, like, it stood out, but like, yeah, looking back at it now, people are like, oh, that game sucked and this and that. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I think like, I like the game. Yeah, the, sh the shooting wasn't super great and this and that. And it was a little floaty, like now looking back on it. But, you know, I, I liked it, you know. So I'm I'm right there with you. I I like that one. I like that pick, too. One that comes to mind and like, I know you'll, <laughs> you'll like it because uh, I know Adam, you and Adam had played it a long time ago, too, but the fucking Lord of the Rings Fellowship game. Oh, the one for Xbox that yes, sucked compared yes. to like the PS version one or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The there were the ones the like movie licensed ones were good. The Two Towers and Return of the King, the like slasher games, like those were yeah. fucking fun. But yes, the Fellowship of the Ring one that wasn't movie focused. It was like like the Tolkien like uh estate like put it out under his thing. Like it was much more book focused. But yeah, the one where you had to like. I remember wanting that game. Was the first section the one where like you had to get you, yes. you had the ring? Yes. And then there were all like the dark night. I forget what they the, were called. The ring race. Yes. They, yeah, they you they had to sneak like, out of the Shire. It was so yeah. fucking hard. Dude, I remember wanting that game so bad, getting it, getting stuck on that part, being like, this is impossible, where they're like, surrender the ring. Like yeah. being in it like infuriatingly hard to get past that. But I remember I finally got it past it like four months later and then breeze through the rest of the game. Cause it was like, so it was, that was the hardest part of the game. And like, I loved it after that, but I remember wanting to, as a kid, like wanting to like beat my head against the wall, trying to get past it. I'm like, but finally getting past it and enjoying it. Cause I loved Lord of the Rings and like wanted anything to do with Lord of the Rings. Um, so, but yeah, that looking back on it now though, that game was God awful and horrible, but, <laughs> but yeah, like I, like when I was like putting the show together, like that was one of the first ones I kind of thought too. I was just like, God, that game was so bad. But I remember being a kid and being so like hyped that I got past that part and not realizing, no, that was just such a poorly designed part of the game. Like there's a reason why it was reviewed pretty badly. Yeah. Like, and that's the first part of the game that right. you, like you experience is just absolute dog meat. That's uh, a tough start. <laughs> it, it is the straight Will, uh, Will Smith pain meme. Like that is, that is it. <laughs> Anyways though, Mike, I think that's going to do it for our episode this week. Why don't you tell people where they can find you on the interwebs to talk about all the nerdy stuff we talked about today, specifically Starfield and Bethesda and all that stuff we love about them. Where can people find you on the interwebs to talk about all that? You can find me on Twitter at T-O-I-S-X-L-D-I-E-R. That's at Toy Soldier, and the second O is an X. Or you can find me on Twitch at MP underscore Toy Soldier. Nice, nice. And as always, I am your host, Travis White, a.k.a. Travis on most internet platforms, including 
at Travelis underscore on Twitter. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S underscore. You can also find me streaming time to time on twitch.tv slash Travelis underscore, same as Twitter. And if you want to play some video games with me, you can do so over on uh, Xbox Live. It's just regular old Travelis. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S, no underscore. And this, ladies and gentlemen, has been your newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good fidget games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all that jazz that I tell you every week wherever you get a podcast at, and follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games like and our dope giveaways. Mike, it's going to do it for our episode this week. Thank you everyone so much for listening, sharing, and being a part of our growing community. Game on, wash your hands, listen to the doctors, Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week.